0: Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you.
1: Home where we were, the most incredible outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit and lives touched and people coming to know Jesus. And about, must be five years ago, just before COVID came back in 2018, I was at a conference in, uh, it was a Church of the Nations conference back in South Africa. And as we were in worship, I had, had the sense of a wave. It was, it was a physical sense of a wave rising underneath me, the swell rising under, underneath me. And I felt the Lord just laid this on my heart, that we need to prepare because the wave is coming. Yes, it is. That's not the one you catch. The first one of the set that comes when you're a surfer is the beginning of the set and you don't catch that when you wait for the wave, the one that's building and building and building and they come in sets I think of sort of seven if I'm not mistaken. I'm not a surfer, um, I, I did enough to, to, to make me realize that it's quite difficult. Um, but, but when it does come you wanna be ready and so even when we did our cluster conference back home last month, I, I just called it preparing for the wave. And, and I believe we need to be ready for that which is coming. And it's coming because you, you're already hearing stirrings of it. I don't know if you've heard some of the reports of stuff that's happened across the United States. Five girls praying recently uh, and ended up in the weekend they were going to get baptized. 300 people got baptized, young people. Just It's like the Lord is beginning to sweep people in again. Back home with us, we've been expectant and suddenly the Lord's beginning to do things and there's, there's that sense of his presence again, coming strongly in the midst of the meeting, and it's not that the Holy Spirit has not been in the meetings; it's just that there is this outpouring that happens, where where it's beyond our, our humanity. Just you, you, you know, where God just comes and touches us, and um, and we, we've had folk just walk into the services back home in South Africa, where you know, in our in our ba- our, our base back home, um, come off the street just someone came in, a security guy, it wasn't the security for our for our church, but he, he didn't know why he should come in. He just came in, got saved, got born again, the altar call. And so those things are beginning to stir again. And so God is doing something, but it's in the timing. I don't think we can make it happen. You know, often people say, oh, if you can just pray, you just need to pray. You can't make things happen. You cannot conjure up the things of God, um, but it's in the timing. And I know that here today, there are folk who are, you, you, you're expectant for something which God has spoken over your life that still has not happened. There are prophetic words that you have. Some of you have prayed, and, you, and you've trusted God for years for certain things, and nothing's happened, but it's in the timing. And I want to share just a couple of the stories out of our life, but also just to look into the scripture and see how God is the master of Timing. He really is. When, when God gets the timing right, it, it, it's mind-boggling. So these prophetic words that we carry, these, these prayers we've prayed and the expectancy of that which is to come, I, I want to say, for me, revival has been on my heart. I've been praying for it for years. It's 25 years since we were in the, the kind of Toronto experience of it in the 90, late 90s and mid-90s. Mid um, it's 25 years since then, and, and we, we are now expectant for a fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit in our midst, and I'm excited. I really am excited to see what God will do. We had, back in, in the 80s, when we started the Harvest Church, and we were part of the early uh, foundations of that church, where we still have been. We've, next year, we'll have been there for 40 years in the same church. Um, we, there was a prophetic word over us that we'd have four or five campuses and so my predecessor, you know, we were, we were looking. I was, I've been on eldership. We'll have been on for 40 years next year, on the eldership of that church. And, and we were looking, how are we going to put these four or five campuses into place? And then nothing happened. And then I took over and became the senior pastor. And for 18 and a half years, I also had this in the back of my mind. Where are these campuses? And nine years ago, we handed over to a younger team. And suddenly, the guy started these satellites, And now there are three satellite churches that operate out of the way. And so there are four campuses operating now. And that that prophetic word, it took nearly 40 years to to be fulfilled. And they didn't even know about that word. When I said to the guys, you do do realize in the early days there was a prophetic word. And um, it could never have happened in the early days because there was no internet. There was no streaming. There was no... We didn't know what was coming, but the prophetic word declared it. And so, there are things that I believe in God that require timing, and and His doing. And so, many of you sitting here still expectant for some things to happen in your life. We knew we needed a bigger building, and you know it would be lovely to have a bigger building so you could just have one service, wouldn't it? I mean, it just changes the dynamic when you begin to. And, and so you you know what you need. Um, We know why we need it, but then somehow it just doesn't happen. And we had that over the years. I mean, we needed desperately to have a bigger building, Uh, and everything I did in all the 18 and a half years just met with a shut door. And uh, we we would get architects in, and they would have a look, and then they say, "You can't do it because of this," or you know, the stormwater drains in the wrong place. Oh, the structure, structural engineers would come and say, Oh, no, the way this, the beams are, and it doesn't work. And then we handed over to the young team nine years ago, and this year they doubled the size of the auditorium, exactly in the place that I knew, you know, it, it, there was a prophetic word that that's the way it should go. And I mean, I was holding on to that. It just wasn't in my time, but it was in God's timing. Yeah. And so suddenly it happened, and this year, the, the guys felt this was a breakthrough year. And what, what we had done, if you can imagine back home, there was a doubling up of the size of the auditorium. It went from this, you know, this size to double, they, and they had to break down that wall. They got to the beginning of this year, and they felt it was breakthrough year, just spiritually, and that the, the spiritual breakthrough would come as a result of the physical breakthrough. But they needed, in, in our terms, you know, a million rand, which in South Africa is a lot of money. And um, and and so the day came when Mark, our son, who's leading the church, and I just said said he felt God said it's now time. And so they they said it's time, but we need this this money. So they they pretty much gave the go ahead to break through the wall. And within four days, the million rand had come in. But but it's God's timing, you see. So, so I had not been able to build that building when I was leading the church. And we needed it. The church grew and it you know, gets big and then people leave and whatever. You know, this, it's life. And we had, we had four services at one stage before we, we did manage to extend it a little bit. But we ran four services. You must know what it's like to preach four services on a Sunday, two in the morning and two in the evening. When you get to the fourth service and you tell the joke for the fourth time, you can't remember if you've got to the punchline. And then you can't remember what the punchline is, and it's not funny anymore. So, so, so there are times you need to get, you know, there are times you need God to come through for you, and somehow he's, he, he just doesn't. But it's in the timing, and we, we need to understand that. So some years back here at when we were visiting um, in earlier days, we had a we had a meal with Rod and Val, and Dave and Carol were there with Scott and Melanie. Scott and Melanie invited us round for a meal, and as we're sitting around the table, there was this. I, I, I mean, I felt the presence of God come on me. I felt that the Holy Spirit just come on me. Now there was no soft music, and there was no, um, no there, there was there was no dimming the, the the lights or anything. We were just sitting around the table, and the, and. And I just got a prophetic word. And it was, you know, I, I, just, I said, to Scott, where are you? I saw him earlier. No, he left. Did he leave? Was he at the first service? No, he, comes in he just comes between, okay, with Melanie. I said to him, Scott, I believe you need to get involved in this. And, so, and he did. And a year later, we just happened to be passing through on the day that Rod got the, the deed for, for this building. And it's, it's a God thing, you see. When you get the timing, but we can't rush God, and so this wave that I'm telling you about—I don't know if it's coming in our time. I don't know if, it's, I don't know if I'm going to see it. I'm I'm praying, God, please, I want to see this wave. I want to be part. Of, I've been praying for 25 years for the you know for the for the outpouring. I'm trusting God. We're going to see it soon, and there are stirrings of it. Jesus will return in bodily form. I don't know when. See, we we we've got all these things, but. It's in, it's in God's timing and I, out of our own life, have lived in, in moments where, where I've just heard God say it's time. We were on the mission hospital and uh, we felt we were getting to the end of the season. And, and I, one, one morning I walked down to, the, to my, um, I was the medical super, superintendent of this hospital. Uh, it was a very, very isolated uh, rural hospital in South Africa. It was uh, run by the Methodist Church and we were part of that. And um, and I, I, I was the superintendent of the hospital. But I walked into my office. And as I sat down, the Lord said to me, it's time. And he didn't have to explain more than that. I knew it was time for us to leave. And so I tried to get hold of the guy who had been planning with me that one day we would start a medical practice together. Uh, and I couldn't. You know, the phones were forever down there. But on that very day, a pharmacist had phoned him and said to him, don't you want to consider starting a practice here next to this pharmacy because there are rooms that are available now for two doctors on the exact day, and God said. And, and we'd, we'd, knew, you know, we'd known we were going to move on, but it was in God's timing. You just can't, if you get the timing wrong, you're in trouble. When we sold our, our one house, as I came into, the, um, into full-time ministry, we couldn't afford to stay there anymore. We were, we were out in the country a bit, and... Um, and, and the first people who came through, uh, we said uh, to them, you know, this was the price and whatever. And, and they, as a result of that, um, and they bought our house, but as a result of that, they started coming to the church with us. And and Ina turned out to be a second cousin of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, never known about her, but she started a thing called Work for a Living, which is an incredible program for teaching people a biblical worldview, particularly those who are unemployable because they just, you know, they, they've got attitude towards work or whatever it is. And the whole worldview changes. Um, and I'm going to share a little bit on that in this week that lies ahead. But as a result of that, people then, they, they, get, they get employed. We've, we've seen the most phenomenal changes. Now, if she hadn't... If they hadn't bought our house, they wouldn't have joined the church. They wouldn't have started that ministry. There are a whole lot of things that happen in life because of what we do. Um, leaving my post as senior pastor, I also just i felt God said to me, it's time. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I was ready to. But when God says it's time, it's time. You better get out the way. In February this year, and I'm going to now just look at an example out of Scripture of how God you know, works with time. We went to Israel, and we'd been before, but there is now a very exciting part of the tour that one can do, and you're you're able to walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. I'm going to ask if we could just put a picture up. Uh, there's, there's Jane walking through Hezekiah's tunnel. It's the most phenomenal story. We'd, I'd never really thought about it much. You read about Hezekiah in the Old Testament. Uh, next one, and just to see, that's the tunnel there, I, And what happened was Hezekiah was being threatened by Sennacherib, who was the Assyrian king. And he was threatening to uh, overrun Jerusalem and totally destroy it. And so Hezekiah built and and increased the walls around, but there was no water supply inside the the old city of David. So they began to dig a tunnel, which is now this Hezekiah's Tunnel from the Gion Spring down to the pool of Siloam. Siloam, you remember, was where Jesus got the blind guy to wash his, hand, wash his eyes. And so it was already there in the time of Jesus. But this tunnel had to be built in a year. They did it in one year, and it was 505 meters long, chiseled by hand. And what it I mean, it's just the most phenomenal story. But the ridiculous thing is they started at the top and they started at the bottom. And they met in the middle. Yeah, and and I mean, it it kind of, it did this, you know, it was because they just, obviously you underground, there's there's no surveying equipment like we've got today. You know, chopping away until they heard each other and then they joined it up. And the water runs ankle deep from all, to this day, it's been running all these years from the top down to the bottom. It still runs. So we walk through water this deep. Now, that's that's the story behind, and I, as a result of that, I started looking back at Hezekiah and thinking, goodness me, what a, what an amazing story! He was the son of Ahaz, um, but as I was going through, I, I realized just how God has got His timing for every situation. And 2 Kings 18 verse 5 says this: Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after. And I've underlined it his time, because that was his moment that was and, and, and God did you know a miracle, not just the, not just the the tunnel thing, but Sennacherib had destroyed all of the northern cities in Israel and was now moving south, threatening to destroy Jerusalem. and Sennacherib, Sennacherib had, an, had a huge army which he now aligned against Hezekiah and the people in Jerusalem. Um, And 2 Kings 18 verse 19 gives you a little bit of an understanding of the threat that he was bringing to Jerusalem. It says, The Assyrian king's chief of staff told them to give this message to Hezekiah, who was now the king of of the the Jews. Uh, This is what the great king of Assyria says. What are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Huh. Uh, what a statement, isn't it? I Th- thought you, you've got to get that in your, in your life because the people that, that you work with, the people in school with you, they, they, they will look at us and they know that we're different. And they're, they're in their hearts asking, what are you trusting in that makes you so confident? Well, we are so confident because we know the end story. We're so confident because we have met the king of the universe. We are, you know, we're we're a people who are anointed of God and called of God, and we know in whom we trust. So Isaiah then gets pulled in. Isaiah the prophet was alive at the time of of Hezekiah. So he pulls him in, and uh, Isaiah, it says in 2 Kings 19 verse 20, Then Isaiah, son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I have heard your prayer about King Sennacherib of Assyria, and the Lord has spoken this word against him. And then there's a long word we can't get, we don't have time to go into all of it, but it's really worth, you know, it's worth reading the story again. But a little further down than in verse 25, this is then what Isaiah says, look, this is what I'm I'm saying to this King Sennacherib who's aligned against you. Have you not heard, 2 Kings 19.25, have you not heard, I decided this long ago, long ago I planned it, and now I'm making it happen. You see, there's a, there's a long ago in God, a long ago plan that is for you now and for our future, and then there is a and now moment, and they're not the same thing. He said, I planned for you to crush fortified cities into heaps of rubble. So God planned that Sennacherib would take those cities, bash them into, you know, bash them down and create heaps of rubble, but not Jerusalem. And God says then to him, and this was in Isaiah's statement to Sennacherib, you're going to fail against Jerusalem. Not only that, you're going to be, you're going to run home with your tail between your legs, that's my translation. And when you get home, you will die. And his sons actually killed him. And the day after, you know, this, this happened, they woke up the next morning. There were 185,000 men dead in Sennacherib's army. God wiped out their entire army. Didn't say how it happened or what. They just they went out the next morning and this entire army had been destroyed because it was the now moment that had been in God's plan, and the Lord had allowed it. Now, just to con- continue our thoughts on God with timing, you can look at so many stories in Scripture, can't you? When Joseph, thrown into the pit, you know, all of the timing, finally the timing when he comes out of prison and he's suddenly the prime minister of Egypt. Of Egypt. It's in God's timing. Amazing stories, aren't they? How Jonathan and his armor-bearer, they get into the camp of the enemy and they overhear something, they're just in the right place at the right time. And hear something and it's and Jonathan knows this is this is a confirmation from God and so they can attack. And Jacob at the well, you know, meets meets Rachel, just she just happens to come at the right time. It's you know all of these things in God. Hezekiah then gets ill after all this. He gets ill and he's going to die and Isaiah tells him basically, you know, it's it's over. I don't want to hear a prophetic word like that nowadays, but uh, sorry, Hezekiah, it's over. You're on your way out. And uh, he, he's busy leaving the, the palace. Isaiah is. He's on his way out. He's done his job, told the king that he's, it's over. And as he's leaving, uh, Hezekiah t- you know, turns to the wall and he's crying out to God, Lord, save me. And the Lord hears his prayer and says to Isaiah, you better go, go back and tell him it's okay. He's going to live again. Um, so <laughs> Isaiah turns around and goes back again. Uh, Sorry, I was wrong, I suppose he had to say. Um, No, he would would have said, the Lord gave me another word now. The Lord says you are going to live. So Hezekiah says, but how on earth am I going to live? Um, I I need proof of that now. I mean, he's obviously confused. So Hezekiah, so Isaiah says to him, well, would you like, and I need to explain what it means there, was uh, as a result of his father's building it, Ahaz was his father, Hezekiah's father, who was the king before him, built some kind of a sundial, but they didn't have it like we have a sundial today. It was a column that cast a shadow on some steps, and so they would, they would watch the steps through the day. So as the sun shone on the steps, they would advance or they would go back. So uh, Isaiah says to him, do you want the, do you want the, the sun to advance or to go backwards? So Hezekiah says to him, no, well, it always goes forward. Let's let's make it go back. Make it go back 10 steps. And God does that. Why? Because God can, and he's in charge of time. So it says in 2 Kings uh, 20 verse 10, the shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. So that would be easy. (laughs) I don't know what was easy about it, but anyway. (laughs) Make it go 10 steps backward instead. And then... It's very interesting because in Joshua, you read in the the book of Joshua how in 10 verse 12 we will read it together, on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel and he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So God can move it forwards or backwards. Uh, One of the commentators I read just suggested maybe God was just sorting out the time again and... What he'd taken away in Joshua's time, he was adding back, you know. It was like, oh, the other way around, you know. Just, he'd added in some extra time for Joshua. He was just taking it back with Hezekiah. But he's the God of time. He can, you know, he, he can sort it out. Now, your chance meetings then. It's a bit, a bit like a GPS. You know, the old Garmin used to say recalculating. And, you know, when you got it wrong. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, Many years ago, there was a thing that we used to use for navigating, just for the younger generation, which you put on your dashboard. Now you put your phone phone there. You used to have a thing called a garment. And when you put in it and you took a wrong turn, it would say to you, recalculating (laughs) in American, just with an American voice. And, And so you must know when you got to that turn in the road and you took a wrong turn, it's now got a million things to sort out to get you back onto the right road. And that's what, that's what God's... I think, he, I, you know, you think about how in the moment you bumped into somebody in the supermarket and that wasn't just a chance meeting. It was a God set up. How many, how many moves, how much had to happen to get the timing of that exactly right? 52 years ago, on the 3rd of July 1971, I was with my mom and my gran in a beach hotel uh, in South Africa. We, were, we had a holiday, it was the July holidays, and we went, and we went down there, and uh, we were having a holiday, and I went down to the beach, and as I was going down the stairs, I saw these legs coming up the stairs. And my, my heart went boom biddy boom biddy boom bitty, boom And 52 years later, here she is. <laughs> um, we've, been, we've been married for 47 years. Wonderful, wonderful years of marriage and wonderful family. And, but what if I hadn't been on the steps at that time? God's got it, hasn't he? I mean, we, we just need to be ready to, to be available when God says, it's time. It's time. Because there's a long-term plan that God always had. There's a plan. But then there's that, it's now moment. And we need to be ready for when the revival comes for the now moment. We don't miss it. That we're expectant, that we've we've planned and, and ready and we've got stuff so that when people walk in off the street, they find a home where they can come and find Jesus and become part of the team that enables others to find Jesus. Well, we know often what the what is. We know the what here is that we need a new carpet. We, need, we, know, wh- we know why. We know the what and the why. The when's not always clear, is it? That the when is with God. And so I pray it'll be soon. Amen. <laughs> but, but, but understand this. You, you can know the what and the why of things, but we can't know the when always. And so there's stuff in your life that you're trusting God for. Just leave it with Him. Don't fight about it. It's silly to fight with God about the timing of things. One of my greatest struggles in in my life is I'm impatient. You you pray and you're looking for the answer immediately. And and as I said, some of those have taken 40 years. Abram and and, and Sarah, they messed up. Because instead of waiting for Isaac... They ended up with an Ishmael. They thought, we'll, we'll help God out. You know, he obviously can't sort this out himself. Um, and, so that, and so they helped him out, and it caused a disaster. To this day, we have the Arabs still surrounding Israel. The fighting goes on. There's no solution, and there will be no solution because they messed up. So don't miss out on your time of preparation. Sometimes God delays things because he's preparing us. I, I waited until I was 43 before I, I came into ministry. And God trained me through the medical world. It was extremely hard training, I must be honest. It was tough. But I was not ready for it, not even six months before God said it's time. When he said it's time, it happened. And people used to say to me, so what, What? you know, how did you, how did you get prepared for this? And say, well, I said, well, I didn't. I'd just been walking with Jesus for, you know, most of my life. And I knew that six months before I stepped into full-time ministry, I was not ready for it until God had beaten every last bit of, um, of pride and all the stuff out of my life. And I came in broken. And, uh, and so God's preparing you. He's preparing all of us for that which still lies before us and that which we call to do. And it may just be for that moment when you walk past somebody in the supermarket and God says, "Now it's time. It's time, and you reach out to them and begin to make a difference. Ecclesiastes three, verses one. Verse one, I'm just going to read to you: "For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, but it's God's time." In verse one of chapter three, Solomon says, Ecclesiastes is a is a tough book if you've read it. I mean, just oh my goodness, it's. It's demoralizing. You know, what's the purpose of life? What's the use of it all? Anyway, this helped me. I'm going to share this with you because this really touched me. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, what do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful, and I've underlined it, for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Now, we need to understand this about this this scripture. This is what I I felt the Lord just showed me. I felt the Holy Spirit just highlighted this. You see, stuff done out of time is hard work. Things done when it's not God's timing, when we're trying to push something through or we're trying to make something happen out of time, it's hard work. People, what do they get for their hard work? I've seen the burden God's placed on all of us. Yet, when it's not, when it's, the God's, when it's God's timing, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And so things are beautiful and they work beautifully <laughs> when it's in his time. And sometimes we've got to wait for that. He created time, remember? Morning and evening. In you know, a day and night, God was the creator of time. Daniel two twenty one says he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. And Jesus himself was subject to time. We know that. Um, at the feast of booths, at one stage, Jesus' brothers, who were not, they were not, you know, they were not believers. They were not part of the of the team at that stage. But they said to him, "Listen, you've got a great ministry going here. Why don't you show yourself off?" Go up to Jerusalem and go and do a couple of tricks there, you know. It was, that's, the, that's my version of it. But, um, but, but that's what he was saying. Uh, no one works in secret, they said to him. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. And then Jesus replies to them, John 7 verses 1 to 8, he says, My time has not yet come. My time has not yet come. But your time's always here. World cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its that its works are evil. You go up to the feast; I'm not going up to this feast. For my time has not yet fully come. And so in Nazareth, when they tried to throw him over the cliff, you remember that story when when they you know they were totally against Jesus. They tried to throw him over the cliff. He just walked through the midst, right. walked, walked right through. It wasn't time. It wasn't time Passing through the midst, it says in Luke, he went away. But when it was time, he cried out, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. There's a not God time and there's a God time. When it's his time, not my will, but yours be done. And I think revival will come. I just don't know when. Just as we don't know when his return is, But he will act when he's ready. He will. And we don't understand him. And it's better we just back out and just allow him to do what he wants to do. Because he will do in his time what needs to be done. Don't take matters into your own hands. Because if you do it in the not the right time, it's going to be a mess. We need to find the right time. So 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. And there are lots of scriptures, if you look for them, that speak about a not-the-right-time and those that speak about a right time. The time has come. It's it's time for the Lord to act. in In a favorable time, I've answered you. Many, many scriptures that speak about that. And then remember Esther. Esther was prepared for, for a long time. They were, she was prepared to go to be the queen. And, um, and so as she was being prepared, it must have been a very hard thing. And her, her uncle Mordecai was the one behind it. But he said this to her in Esther 4 verse 14. He said to her, look, if you don't go, there, there are going to be consequences. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I want to ask you this morning, who knows that you didn't come to this church, to Coastal Family Church, for such a time as this. Who who knows that you're not in your work situation. Maybe it's tough there. Maybe it's not so great. Maybe... Maybe you're in a school situation where you're not so happy, but who knows that you were not created for such a time as this, in this place, in God's time. 2 Peter 3 verse 8 says, You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. You may have prayers that have gone unanswered for five years, ten years, 20 years. But just think about this. In God's eyes, if a day is a thousand years, then since the time Jesus ascended, only two days have passed. In fact, they haven't quite. We're getting to the end of the second day. What is that to God? Live now. Live now. Live it to the full. Be obedient to do what you can do now. Leave the rest to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's close our eyes together. Father, we want to ask you for your help to be patient when we are an impatient people. And I want to pray today, Lord, for those who are trusting you still for the outworking of a prophetic word still waiting for the answer to a a prayer or a promise that they've held on to. And your word is so full of promises, Lord. But you are not a God who is unfaithful. You're the faithful God. And we trust you with our very lives. So no matter how long it takes and no matter what you do, Lord, we will not turn our backs on you. We have determined in our hearts to trust you. And Lord, we know that when you return, everything will be answered in complete and wonderful ways. And we trust you. Trust you entirely with the future. And I'm going to ask you now, just those of you here this morning who would like to just remind the Lord and remind yourself, as I think was said earlier, remind yourself as we remind God of the things that you trust in Him for. Won't you stand? Those of you who who have something in your heart you're still trusting God for. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Father, you hear and you see the cry of every heart of everyone who's standing at this moment. And I pray that when it is the time, they will know those special words. It's time. Now it's time. And so I bless each and every situation in Jesus' name. Can we all stand and would you just open your hands in front of you as a in an act of receiving? I want to just, I want to speak Father's blessing over you this morning. Father, I, I pray that you would bless, bless us, your people. And, and as I stretch my hands over this precious group of people, these wonderful, wonderful saints of yours, I pray Father's blessing. Over them and over your life today, I pray God's blessing, the Father's blessing on your home and on your family. I bless your relationship with your spouse and with your children. I bless your relationships outside of there, and I bless your relationships within the church. I bless your provision and your source of provision. And I bless your health. And pray, God, that you would bless each and every one with good health and strength. I bless your going out and your coming in. And may Father's love surround you. May his strength empower you. May his joy
0: uplift you.
1: And may his peace fill you. All your days in Jesus name
0: God has got something on a mantle that John and Jane bring when they come prophetically into this house and this words prophetically and I know that as we stood up and believing God for things in our lives that we've been believing for and praying for I believe the bigger picture God says if you take care of my business I will take care of your business and his hearts for this nation. I don't care what the media says, what anybody else says. I know what my Bible says. I'll read the end of the book. So this is where I'll get you to stand up again because I now can't get any closer to the East Coast. And I want us to start talking to the, all the way to the West. You know those Cali boys on California? They need a whole lot of help. I think the Holy Ghost. So if you don't raise your hands in church, well, you're going to have to take a change now because you're going to raise your hands. I want us to speak and announce and declare the move of God, the tsunami of God. So, Father, we come and we we declare prophetically that, Father, your move of your spirit would come. And Father, as we've heard from times past, we say, "Why not now? Why not again?" My God, we declare Your revival, Your move, Your spirit to move. That Father, You would You would bring a revival to, to the political arena, to the to the working arena, to the educational arena, to the medical arena, to the arts. My God, I thank You that there be revival as far as we can hear or see, Father, because there is a time such as none. Now, with the technology that is now, we can see your kingdom come and your will be done. And so, Father, as you got me to do it uh, prophetically with all those those vacationers back in 04, Father, here we are in 2023, still announcing, still declaring your revival upon this great and, great and wonderful nation, my God. Every promise that you have said, Father, I know that you're watching over it. And so I declare it and announce it, and I thank you for it, my God. And we will stand and keep on standing, and keep on standing until your spirit moves, my God, because you're a faithful God. And we say thank you. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.